You guys ready to get into the word? Let's wrap this thing up. I don't know. I think I kind of want to jump into the next series next week, but by a raise of hands, how many of you guys are liking this worship series? Oh, a few of you. Okay. Okay. By a, a round of claps, how many of you think we should stretch this thing out? All right, come in next week. Somebody say week five. five. Let's jump right to the word. Luke 10, 38 through 42, amplified. And here we go. We're going to do a lot of reading today. Is that all right? Okay. We get to the point in uh, in church services where we say that we're going to read and people go, ugh. But like, if I don't teach you from the word, I'm teaching you from my opinion and my opinion's broken. (laughs) My, my, My opinion's dirty. Joshua's opinion is incomplete. But the word of God is somebody say perfect. So let's go to the word. Here we go. Luke 10, 38 through 42, Amplified. If Amplified is your favorite book, say yay. Come on now. Now, while they were on their way, read with me. Jesus entered a village called, and a woman called, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named who? Who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to what? But Martha was very busy and what? Underline that, verse 40. Martha was very what? And with all of her what? Serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, read it with me. Lord has left me to do the serving. Somebody say alone. Tell her to help me. Sounds like some of y'all kids. They don't want to do their own chores. And then they they be trying to uh, trade. Like, well, I'll give you two of my chicken nuggets at lunch. If you scrub the toilet. And then your mama knows you didn't scrub the toilet because she gave that job to the specific one that does that very well. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else telling your siblings? Okay, the whole Scott family, y'all ain't moving at all. Them babies over there like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Martha gets frustrated and she tells Jesus to tell her to come and help me. Uh, Verse 41, read, but the Lord replied to her, read the strong, Martha, Martha, you are and, and about But, somebody say, only one thing, only one thing, only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, that which is her, somebody say, advantage, which will not be taken away from her. At some point along the way, Martha's work hindered her worship. Today, I'd like to talk to you on a subject called spirit and truth. Now, at this point in time, when we look at the word, um, there were specificities and responsibilities um, between men and women. That, that's a really big word for in their culture, there were, there were specific things that men had the privilege to do and that women had the privilege to do. And if we dive deep into something, but we're ignorant, you'll think that the Bible is more so geared towards men than it is towards women. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. But I wanna make sure that there is no woman on earth that is, there's no mother on earth that I promise you is trying to do it without the father of the child. Regardless if he's a deadbeat, regardless if he's a baby daddy, regardless if he, can we talk for real? I'm back. Like I'm, I'm like refreshed and all that. So can we teach this for a second? Regardless if he's a deadbeat, if he sells drugs, regardless of if he was with you, he was straight, and now he, he's, he's same-sex attracted, regardless, statistics, money, finances, the economy tells us that the best place to raise a child is in the household with two parents, even if they don't get along. 
But on the flip side of that coin in the church, we talk about how much God hates divorce, but then we'll also preach from the same pulpit that God hates divorced people, and it's not biblical. Think about it. Jesus goes to a woman at the well, and what does he do? Justified, he could have thrown her away, but what does he do? He tells her, I can give you water that you'll never have to thirst again. That debunks your thought that women are lesser. Another woman, he meets a woman that's a prostitute, and he talks to her about all of her, somebody say, husbands. And instead of throwing her away, which by the Jewish law, somebody say, he was justified, he redeems her and puts her in the bloodline of David, the same bloodline that Jesus himself comes out of. So if we look at the Bible and we try to split it between male and female, we'll be able to create a religion that puts women in the back and men that don't deserve it up front. Just because of the fact that they have more testosterone than women do. But when you read the word, there are 250 different places where God shows men and women as equal. Yes, men, you were supposed to be the head of your household. But the word of God also says that at some point in time, Jerry, Joshua has to submit also to who? His wife. Today, I'd like to teach you about how women have not just played a significant role in the kingdom, but they play probably one of the most important roles in the kingdom because everybody counts you out. We expect less of women in the church. There's a real dumb and stupid conversation happening right now in the church's sphere, and that's just a Joshuaism. Don't Google it. It doesn't, exp it doesn't exist. But where people are debating if women should be able to be ordained to be pastors. If women should be able to be ordained to be ministers, if they should be able to uh, um, baptize. And I don't know about you, my granddaddy prayed for me my entire life. But when my grandmama prayed for me, it just felt different. So what we have to do is realize that when it comes to the sexes and to the genders, there's two, but there's only one race. And it's mankind. When God created man, he didn't create the man and then another man. He created one man, and from that man, he created two beings, male and female. The word male is, before, is, is after fee, which means that they are both, somebody say, the same. So when we read the word of God, when we look at Mary and Martha, and we see how frustrated Martha is, I've heard this sermon taught that Martha should have been thrown away. That because Martha was frustrated and Mary was at Jesus' feet, that, you know, Martha was acting out of sorts. But if we look at the culture, Mary was not allowed to be at Jesus' feet. The place at Jesus' feet as he was teaching was supposed to be for men. Women were supposed to be in the kitchen taking care of babies, right? So what we can do in society is pick apart the parts in the Bible that we like and copy and paste them and transpose them into real life and try to tell women that have even more power than some of the people that you've ever seen on this stage that because the word of God said that Martha was in the kitchen and frustrated, maybe that's where you should stay. But it's not biblical. How many of you, your life has changed because a woman stood in the place and stood in between you and God? How many of you had a grandmama that prayed at 2 o'clock in the morning and didn't care and came put their hands on you speaking in tongues? Like, Granny, I got to wake up in the morning. Like, what is this? You go to church, and she didn't have any of the holy oil. She had Crisco. So you go home, go to church, uh, to, uh, go to school, to smell like fried chicken. <laughs> when we look at the story of Mary and Martha, I believe that there is something that the Holy Spirit wants to teach us today about worshiping in spirit and truth. Are you guys ready? Let's jump right in. Mark 14, 1 through 3. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. 
but not during the Passover celebration. They agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. I want you to write down this point. Number one, preparedness will offer you opportunity. As much as you prepare, the Lord will provide. As, as much as you are, somebody say, ready, that's how much the Lord will provide. I said a couple of weeks ago that for AWC, we have a vision where we're looking for the broken, we're looking for the lost, and we're looking for the bleeding. Amen? Awesome. But at, and we pray this prayer, God, send us the broken, send us the bleeding, send us the, 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 those that, that don't know you. But how many of you know that those same people are also praying? The broken, the bleeding, those that have been church hurt, those that have been people hurt, those that are deconstructing their faith, they're praying the same prayer. You want to know what prayer they're praying? God, send me to a church that won't throw me away. Send me to a church that won't abuse me. Send me to a church that when I show them the parts that they say that they're ready to be loving about, when I show it to them, that they don't throw me away. Like, like send me to a church that doesn't look to just pimp my gifts, but they actually care that my family works. Send me to a church that regardless of if I can sing, they see my life is jacked up and they put me in a small group before they put a mic in my hand. Like these folks are looking for an organization, but they're also praying the same prayer that you're praying. Think about it. You're, how many of you are business owners? You're praying for more customers, right? You're praying for people to, and it's, it might be virtual. How many of you guys, not many people have brick and mortars anymore, but how many of you guys have an online store? You check your emails in the morning and you hope that you have new order numbers. But at the same time, when somebody buys your product, they're also praying a prayer. They're praying that you don't rob them. They're praying that your product, somebody say, works. They're praying that what you put as the price point for your product actually matches what you're selling, right? So if we look at the word of God from one point of view, we will always miss something. I've heard this sermon taught so many different times and everybody rags on Martha. Everybody gets upset. I've heard so many different titles and I don't know about you guys, but in like the apostolic and the Baptist church, the pastor will drop the sermon title and depending on people's reaction, he know if he in the groove or not. So I'm gonna try some of them out, ready? Today I'm gonna talk about Mary before Martha. All right, well, that one didn't hit. Today I'm gonna talk about the significance of oil. Oil, sorry, I'm sorry, that was... That was the Baptist coming out. <laughs> Sorry about that. But when we look at the word of God, there are a couple of things that we have to understand about Martha. Number one is that Martha was responsible. Now, in Jewish culture, in Hebrew culture, women that were alone were looked at as objects that could be preyed upon. So the fact that Jesus is coming to Martha's house, it means one of two things. It means either she was married and got widowed and now has now, somebody say, uh, received the house. And or she had another man in her house that she submitted her life to and she had the responsibilities of being in the home. Now, a couple of chapters before this, Jesus had raised a man from the dead named Lazarus. Lazarus is Martha, somebody say, brother. So when Jesus comes to Lazarus's house, Martha has the responsibility to make sure that Jesus, the 12, and all the other people that followed him have a place to eat and to sleep. The reason why Jesus came to Martha's house is because she was responsible. There's a reason why you do Christmas at Pookie and Ray Ray's house every year, and you don't flip when, uh, I'm sorry, you don't, you don't break something that's not broken. Because have you ever changed the venue one year because you just like, we should just go on over to Gertrude's house. She's been asking for the past 20 years. And you get over there and she ain't got no cranberry salad. 
You get over there and she ain't got no forks. You get over there, you get back to your crib and you're trying to figure out how do we get roaches in the last two weeks. So Jesus coming to Martha's house isn't just because he likes her and he loves her. Jesus shows up to Martha's house because she was prepared for him. God shows up to people's worship who have prepared for him. And it's very difficult to prepare your worship while you're in the moment of worship. That's why we tell you, you need to break your heart. You need to break up the fallow ground as you're on the way to the church. So by the time that you get here, once you hear the first chord, you're not trying to get yourself together. Somebody say, you're prepared. The next thing that we know is that Martha is the oldest. The reason how we know that Martha is the oldest is because once Jesus comes to Lazarus's house, Martha is the first one to speak to Jesus and his company. This is very important for us to understand because what would happen is, is that in the culture, the first person that would receive um, uh, uh, the, uh, the responsibility, it would come first by sex. So if you were a man, then you got the first. But then what trumps being a man is if you're the oldest. So what would happen is, is that if there's a seven-year-old, uh, like you are the man of the house, which is absolutely ridiculous. And stop telling your young boys that they're the man of the house because they're not. Your son is not your boyfriend. Your son is not your husband. Your son is not your boo. Your son is not your bae. And a lot of the reasons why we have a lot of these men that are not getting married later on is because moms can fulfill everything for their sons except for sex. Oh, is that too much? Oh, I should have done the five and seven. I should have stayed back and not went to the, so y'all could be ready to go. And now your son will give up his entire life to take care of his mama and miss out on his dreams. Yes. Well, you know you got to take care of my mom. It costs you nothing to believe in me. It costs you nothing to, like, say, Joshua, go for it. Now I owe you a $200,000 condo? Somebody say hogwash. Martha is the oldest. So since she's the oldest, she's not just supposed to prepare the house. But she's supposed to be the one that has the privilege of hosting every other person. Martha, we can tell that she's younger because she has a difficulty prioritizing being in the kitchen versus being, in Jesus, being at Jesus' feet. The third thing that we understand, so I'm going to say number three, is that Martha was a steward of her resources. Now, you're probably asking, Josh, how do you get all of this out of two sentences? I'm like at this point in my life right now where like the Holy Spirit is taking the word of God and like breaking up the sentences and like I'm getting so much more out of it. And all of the older people in the room, like Mother Alice over here, like all of y'all can sit on one part of the scripture and that would be everything you, that, that, that you need. The Lord. Ah! And like you get everything there. And I'm like, what? That was it? Like there's no adjective. There's no predicate. It just said the Lord, like, right? So one, the last, I'm sorry, the third thing that we, that, that we see here is that Martha is somebody, say, a steward. Let me prove it to you. She was not just able to uh, prepare for Jesus. She wasn't just the oldest, but she was able to feed and house Jesus and the 12. Now, when we look at the word of God, Jesus wasn't broke. Jesus was so not broke that he allowed a man that was a thief to hold his money. Jesus had so much bread that he allowed Judas to carry his money, and Judas used to rob him. That should tell you how much money God had with him as he was walking the earth. I'm so wealthy, I'm going to let somebody that steals hold my money. You know your mama, you got family come over, she said, put my purse in the room. Mom, it's all good. Put my purse in the room. And don't put it in the last place, because I felt somebody was in there. Put it underneath. 
Uncle Ray Ray's ashes, put them behind the urn. Uh-huh, and you better not be in there. <laughs> Martha was a steward of her resources because she was able to not just feed Jesus, not just feed the 12, but be able to house them for a period of time. The word says that Jesus came to the city of Bethany six days before Passover. Now, if you know the story, after Passover, what happens? Jesus is anointed. He goes and he's taken to Pilate. Uh, uh, Judas ends up doing what? He deceives Jesus. He sells him off. Jesus is crucified. So uh, Martha had to be ready, not just to feed them one time, but to feed them for six days. Jesus didn't travel by himself. Remember, Jesus had other followers. The word of God would make you think that there's only 12 disciples. But when you look at the word and you read actually in Romans, there were 72. So Martha couldn't just feed Jesus and the 12. She was able to feed Jesus, the 12, and the 72 for six days and have them rest in the house. But then we also know, thank you, glory to God. I feel the presence of God already. It wasn't just Jesus. It wasn't just the 12. It wasn't just the 72. But the word of God, Vanessa, says that there was a multitude. There are people that were following Jesus because of how dope he was. So Martha couldn't just take care of Jesus, take care of the 12, take care of the 72, feed them and house them for six days. She had to be able to house the multitudes of people outside of the house, which means that Martha had land. The women that you see in the earth that are walking around that look like they ain't got nothing, I promise you they're working on something you can't see. You see their hoopty, you see their 300 square foot apartment, a box, and you, all you see is the box. But every day that she walks into there, she's already compartmentalizing what rooms are going to be in the mansion. She's already compartmentalizing what her husband's supposed to look like. She's already compartmentalizing, like, once I get this promotion, I'm actually going to change the business that I'm a part of. Because this is how the Holy Spirit works. It's first what you see and what, not what they feel. That's why you have to be very, very careful what you share with people, because they will never see what God showed you. If he wanted them to see it, he would have showed them. So Martha's bad. Martha got bread. Martha's responsible. Martha knows how to steward. But this is the last thing. I want you to write this down. Martha was bold, though. Martha was responsible. She was the oldest. She was able to steward her resources. But she was willing to house a man who was currently being hunted and conspired against. We don't let family members come to Christmas because they steal. Oh, don't do me. All the black people in the room are like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Where's that right earring that you had last Christmas? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, ki I'm really kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Martha brings Jesus into her home knowing that he's on his way to the cross. Martha inconveniences herself to put a wanted man up in, his in her house and the entire crew. When we read the word of God correctly and we read it slow enough, we'll actually see that a lot of these people in the Bible that we thought God had like a supernatural grace on them, some of them just decided to do the right thing in the right moment. If we keep waiting for God to give us the anointing, for God to push us in the right direction, sometimes all you need is to want to. You know what? I think I want to take care of X, Y, and Z. Did God lead you in that direction? No. Well, I don't know if you should do it, but it's not bad. It's not evil. It would help them out. And a lot of the things that you are walking in right now, the car that you're driving, maybe the $20 that's in your pocket, wasn't because God told that person to give it to you. They just thought it was the right thing to do. 
If we in the church decided to do the right thing, God would have to speak less often. God has to speak to move you to do what's already in your heart. How many of you have ever been, I feel the presence of God this morning. Do not mess with me. I am preaching to myself. I'm so sorry. How many times have you been driving down the street and seen somebody homeless and assumed that the next person was going to take care of them? God didn't tell you to give, but your heart said, bro, you got $2. You got le- You're not going to eat these leftovers. But, but Cheesecake Factory food, you know it's expensive cafeteria food. That's the reason why they give you 100 options. So hopefully you pick something and like, you're like, I don't even want to go through having to pick something else. I'm just going to eat this. Like, you're not even going to eat it. Why don't you give them the box? And we will stop and not do anything in the name of God because we didn't hear him say it. Martha didn't wait to house Jesus before she, by seeing him. She prepared before he came. Jesus didn't send a memo when he comes from Ephraim saying, hey, Martha, I'm coming. It's going to be 12 of us, 72 of us, and there's going to be a whole multitude of us. We're going to need a place to stay for six days. My homeboy has a gluten allergy. My other boy, he really weird. He only eat kiwi, but you got to cut off the rind. My other boy over here, he eat peanut butter jelly sandwiches, but he don't mess with the crust. I don't know what that's about. The other people over here, they eat grits with sugar. They're going to sleep outside. Everybody that eat grits with salt, pepper, and fish, and shrimp, they're going to eat on the inside. Like, he didn't send her a memo that she was coming. She felt it on the inside and Begin preparing. There are some things in your life right now you don't need a dove to come from heaven. All you got to do is know that you want to. Somebody say, I want to. I feel different. Don't mess with me, Miss Alicia. I don't need God to tell me that I need to create a scholarship that gets kids to school. I want to. Therefore, if I want to, he must. You don't have desire because you're good. You have desire because somebody say, I'm made like God. You don't have to ask God to do certain things if you want to do it. If it's, if it's righteous, Mr. Duane, if it's good, if it's standing, if it's moral, if, it's, if it has ethic, you don't have to ask God for permission. Sometimes God is waiting on us. Think about it this way, Jason. What if Jesus had showed up to Mary's crib and she was unprepared? Hundreds of people would have had to find another place to stay. And I think that God keeps passing over the church because the church keeps trying to ask him when he's coming. And we only want to be prepared for when he comes. But look at your neighbor. See, be, say, be always prepared. Somewhere along the way, what Martha was doing got in the way of what God was trying to get to her. She had started preparing the house as a sign of worship to God. But then once she sees her sister no longer helping her, her heart posture goes from I'm doing this for God to I'm doing this by myself. It goes from we're supposed to prepare the house. I'm doing this for Jesus. Jesus sees me. Because how many of you guys know people do stuff for you just to be seen doing it? Oh, Jesus. It's not about the good act. It's not about the good deed. They want you to see them work hard just so that they can hold something over your head. Remember that one time I gave you X, Y, and Z? Like, that was in 1952. Like, that bicycle you gave me got stolen. I don't know what you want me to do. So we can have this you owe me type of spirit. But Martha gets frustrated in what she was doing for God. Now that man isn't looking at it, she turns her heart posture towards man. This is what our worship in church looks like. We give our heart to Christ and we fall on our knees and we cry and we weep to him and we give everything that we have to Jesus. But then if somebody's not looking at us or it seems like they're worshiping harder, our heart posture goes from giving it to the king to trying to out-worship the person in the other section. 
So now we have flamboyant worship when we forget that the worship isn't to outdo the person on the other side of the room. It's to actually make the king feel comfortable in the room. Martha gets frustrated that her worship now isn't being seen by man. And she begs Jesus, tell my sister to come over here and help me. Let's jump back into the word. Somebody say Martha, uh, Mark 14. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. John 12 and 3, we get a different version of the story. Remember what I've talked to you guys about. The book of the Bible is not always chronological. The books of the Bible are from the perspective of the author. So when you read the book of Mark, you're reading some of the same stories, but from the perspective of... When you read the book of John, you're reading some of the same stories. You're just reading them from the perspective of... So we can become so silly in the church where we only listen to Paul because we don't like what John had to say. Paul says, you know what? It's better to be married than to burn with lust. But we like the Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle John because John said, you know, that there's grace and his grace is sufficient. But they're both talking about the same thing. When we look at the word of God, I think we forget that the 12 disciples, sweetheart, you look so cute, that the 12 disciples were in the room and all 12 of them saw the same thing. Somebody say the same thing. Mark says that a woman walked in with an expensive jar, an alabaster jar with the essence of nard. She broke it open, and where does she pour it? Somebody say, on his head. John is in the same room. John says, then Mary, he calls her by name, which means that maybe Mark didn't have relationship, and he, this is his first time there. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' what? Feet. Mark said her, his head. John says his feet which means that the blessing that you see in the room is based on where you're sitting. What you get in worship is based on your relationship with the king. Mark sees her pour it on his head and doesn't know her name, probably because he wasn't close enough to get those details. John is able to call her name. He knows how much is in the jar. He knows what the jar looks like because he's close in proximity. This is what I'm trying to tell you, AWC. The reason why the person sitting right next to you seems to be going harder in church is because of the fact that in their worship, they probably know God a little bit better. Mark calls her a woman. John calls her Mary. Mark calls it an alabaster box. John calls it a 12-ounce, 12 a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Mark says that she broke open the jar and poured it on Jesus. John says that she anointed Jesus. Mark is too far away. He doesn't see her clean it up. John says after he poured it on her, she wipes his feet with her hair. So Mark and John are in the same worship service but experiencing two different things. I'm trying, Jason. I'm working too hard. You can be at the same conference and receive two different things. Mom, you can have three kids and have three different outcomes. And it's not because you're a bad mother. 
And every single person that has said, if you were a better mother, all three would have showed out. That's a lie from the depths of hell. You can send it back there on this Mother's Day. You feel me? Like, you are not responsible for the way in which they go. Your job, mom, is to be responsible to teach them the right way and hope and pray that they stay on that line. Somebody say hallelujah. If your child is strung out, if your child is same-sex attracted, if your child is trying to figure it out, if your child's on the streets or strung out, that's not your fault. You're not a bad mom because they didn't all turn out. You did as good as you could. Really quick, just for a second, I know this might be unorthodox, but can we celebrate every single woman that tried? Just, I tried. It might not have been successful in your eyes. It might not have worked out in your eyes, but somebody scream, I tried. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Because there are some men right now that are celebrating Mother's Day because the mom left too. So let's not get this twisted. Mother's Day is not a day just to celebrate all mothers because they're mothers. Because just as there are deadbeat daddies out here, there are deadbeat mamas too. Oh, I'm, I'm back, back. You feel me? I had to wear my stretchy jeans because I knew what the Holy Spirit was going to do today. <laughs> You could be in the same worship experience and somebody out in the purple seat is actually having a better revelation of Christ than the people on the worship team. But because they sound good and they can sing and make you feel something, everything that you feel isn't sanctified. So John has more details because he's paying attention. John has more details because of the fact of where he's sitting. Write this point down, please. The contents, container, and carrier matter. Let's talk about the importance of the alabaster box. Mary walks in. She has this expensive gift. Mark doesn't know her name. He says that she pours it on his head. John knows her by name. He says that she anoints him and that it goes to his feet. But there is a specificity of the box I don't know if you guys have heard that tribute by Cece, and if you are in a part of any church with melanin, you're probably tired of it. You don't know the color of the yo-yo. It's just like, okay, this is a two-minute song. Why are you singing it for eight? Okay, I'm sorry. I just, because they're singing it right now. You hear it? Open up your spiritual ears. You hear it? She's going crazy, ain't she? But the alabaster box isn't just significant to Mary. If you were a part of the Jewish culture, everybody had one. It's just that this is the only story in the Bible where we see the alabaster box connected to a person. She walks into the room with the alabaster box and everybody freaks out when she breaks it open on Jesus' head. But if they're all a part of the same culture, everybody knew what she was carrying when she walked in the room because she was the only one that decided to bring it to the house. There are some people in their worship who bring their alabaster with them. They bring their worship with them. There are some people, and I'm not trying to point any fingers, but you know who you are. You don't have an alabaster box, and you come to church hoping that we will prime you to get you to do something that you should want to do on your own. So based on the song lyrics, 
based off of the chord progressions, based on the song list that you see that Brandon and Catlin do such a great job in our marketing and our, our creative team, based on the songs that you see on the gram at Thursday at 2 o'clock, you make up in your mind if you're going to worship or not. Dang, they're not singing Jaira, I'm not showing up. But Mary, somebody say, brought it with her. The alabaster box, they were made of rich marble type stone. Alabaster was a stone commonly found in Israel, and it was one of the most precious stones used in decoration. So much so that they used alabaster to, when they recreated Solomon's temple, they used it to encase the, the, the temple. That's how precious this thing is. So the, these alabaster boxes or jars would be filled with expensive perfume to keep the pure, to keep it pure and, uns, and unspoiled. But they didn't have any lids or tops back in that day. So what they would do is that they would take wax and they would cover the top of it. So the only way that you could get the oil outside of the jar was by breaking it. When God asks you for your worship, he's not looking for you to ration it. He's not looking for you, Joe, to pour out as much as you want and then to reserve some because you know you got a test on Thursday. When God wants your worship, he wants you to break all of it. The word of God says that he's looking for those with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That literally means that when we understand the kingdom, you have an alabaster box, it's your heart. And a lot of us in church have alabaster boxes that are full of oil that we've never poured out. So you can't be upset with what somebody receives in worship because of their heart posture. Because what does the song say? You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster. Y'all are so trash. Don't do that ever again. Y'all are ready. Somebody was like. <laughs> the cost of the oil isn't about the oil. The cost of the oil is how quickly are you willing to break the vessel to get the oil out. So for some people, it's okay to sit in your seat during worship. That's the cost of your oil. For some of us, it's different. I know that God gave me this jar and the oil on the inside of it. I can't just do it back there. I got to do it up. I got to do it, and it's going to have some tears and some snot, and it's going to sound disgusting, and I might smell like Hennessy that's coming through my pores because I did what I had to do last night, but, like, you don't know the cost of what God carried me through. So when God asks me to break this alabaster box, there's no way I'm going to do it in a closet. There's no way I'm going to do it back here in the purple seat and just say, well, you know, this is just how I worship. No, it's going to be flamboyant. My arms are going to be all over the place. I know I'm a man, but I'm going to cry. I know that I shouldn't be running, but I'm going to take off because you don't know the cost. You, you don't know the cost of this box. Like, it's not the box that's that, that. It's not the box that's expensive. It's what's on the inside. And if God asks for what's on the inside, I'm gonna get it to Him by any means necessary. So this is the difference between people that are real worshipers and people that are just bystanders trying to look cute, hoping that they end up on the church's Instagram after church. Oh, the camera person's over here. So now worship can become a photo op to show off what you wear rather than breaking open the only thing that you have as a gift to give him every time that he asks. This is good. Say this is good. Essence of Nard 
The I'm sorry, the container is the alabaster box. But the contents is somebody say the oil. Essence of nard became more potent the longer the oil was contained. Essence of nard in the right container would keep its smell based off of the climate that it was stored in. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was single, one of the big reasons why I married my wife is because I knew my wife was in the room before I saw her. You feel me? Any married men know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'd be in worship. I'd go, and my posture would change. Yeah! I wanted to see me broken in front of God. Because that's how church people do it. Like, guys, you get girls by seeing how many chairs you can carry. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Your, your, your crush walks through the doors. Oh, I'm going to carry 15 chairs today. Watch me, dog. But I could tell that my wife was in the room based off how she smells. And God can tell based off of uh, your smell if you've walked into the room or not. So God wants to walk into a worship service that smells like perfume. Because the perfume that's in the alabaster box wasn't put there by us. It was put there by God. Essence of nard is what's on the inside. Somebody say the container. That's the alabaster box. Somebody say the contents. That's the essence of nard. Now somebody say the carrier. The carrier is Mary. I want you to write this down. The oil means nothing without the container. And the container doesn't get to Jesus without you. Doesn't matter how anointed you are. You can have all the oil in the world. But if your container is dirty, it will dirty your oil. What are you saying, PJ? There are a lot of people that are anointed. But their lifestyle taints their anointing. You know them. They're all the unsung stories. You guys remember watching that on TV One? You start questioning, like, what, what happened to such and such? They came up with one hit and that was over. They had the anointing for the song, but their lifestyle couldn't bring it through to fruition. Okay, does that make sense? So when we look at the word, the oil means nothing without the alabaster box. But the alabaster box doesn't have legs. The alabaster box can't run to Jesus. The worship has to be brought to him. So when the word of God, the word of God does not say that God understands you or take you as you are. We've turned that in the black church as God will just take me as I am. I can be at bedside Baptist and it's the same thing as worshiping in the room. And you have to literally be like one chicken nugget short of a happy meal. To think that, yes, the same presence can be at your crib as it is in here, but it's, we capping if we say it's the same thing. Yeah. I watched last Sunday in Nigeria, and the presence of God was there. But I'll trade in going to Nigeria to being here on the front row with you any Sunday. Why? Because it's different. Your worship does not have legs. Your worship doesn't go to God because it wants to. Your worship goes to God because you are intentional in sending it. So when Mary walks into the room, a lot of people might have thought at the point in time that she accidentally showed up with the right thing at the right time. But remember what we said about Martha. She was prepared. So was Mary. I want you to see it in your head. And this is just a theory. But at the same time that Martha is putting the house together and getting the food together and taking a head count of who wants fish, who wants chicken, who wants beef, who's a vegetarian, who's a vegan. Like while she's doing that, 
Mary is on the opposite side of the house getting her worship ready. You want to know what it looks like in the church? Martha looks like this, making sure that our blush matches our lips, matches our shoes, matches the overpriced shirt that we put on layaway, but we're going to wear it today because it's Mother's Day and we need to look cute. While somebody else on the opposite end of the room is preparing their worship. God really doesn't care about how you look in your worship. He wants to know what does it smell like. Somebody say the container. Let's go to Mark 14.4. Is this good, everyone? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm not like it's not going over your head. Or Is anybody expecting something different? Okay, I, I think the Holy Spirit's going to do something really ridiculous today. Anybody else feel it? Okay, Mark 14.4. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume? Remember how the Bible is at different perspectives. Mark says someone. John says Judas. Now remember, Judas is the, he's, he's the hoarder of money, but he's also a thief. So when he sees Mary break open this jar of alabaster box, um, I'm, I'm sorry, to break open this jar of, 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 of the oil, he's not frustrated that she's doing the wrong thing in the wrong place. He wanted the oil for himself so that he could get the money. So they start getting frustrated with her because her worship is now frustrating to them. This is the reason why we leave this space in the front of the church. Because sometimes the spirit that you're trying to get to God can be disrupted by the spirit that's standing next to you. Everybody up here wants to be here. Some people in the purple seat are still trying to figure out if they want to be here or not. It's a difference. There's a reason why when you go to the Husker game, I've been to the Skybox and it's cool. But sitting at the season tickets of the Butlers is different because you're amongst the people. It's, it's different because you're getting beer spilt on you and everybody's like, yeah. And like people are giving you peanuts and stuff. Like if you go and sit by the right people, you ain't got to pay for nothing at a Husker game. Because it's different when you're amongst the people. Mary's heart posture is correct by wanting to worship Jesus. But the other people miss the moment and start to try to chastise her for doing what they should be doing at the same time. You can always tell whose heart posture is right in worship by those who look at other people and those that look at God. If you're watching people, we can be like the disciples and we can become childish looking at people like, oh my God, look at her. Oh, she's going crazy today. I wonder what happened in her house. And now we can use the presence of God to gossip about business that's not our own. So they're gossiping about Mary, but Mary doesn't hear anything. She sees this might be the only opportunity that I have to give God what I've got. Because in six days from now, he's not going to be here anymore. So you can talk about me all that you want to. You can talk about me walking in here with the babies and I ain't got no baby daddy with me. You can talk about how much I have holes in my socks. But this might be the only opportunity I have to worship the king before he's crucified. So talk about me if you want to, but I'm going to get what Joshua needs in worship. One thing you will never be able to say about a true worshiper is that they cared about your opinion when they're in the presence of the king. I don't care about what you have to say. God is here. Why would I care about what you have to say when the king of kings and the Lord of lords, his presence is here. We just talked about how his train fills the temple. You ain't got no train. So why would I care about what you have to say? Why would I take two cents from people that ain't got no two cents? Well, you know, Joshua, this is what I would do if I, if I was starting a business. But you don't own a business. Be quiet. 
hey, man, this is what I would do about you and your kids. You know what? You, and your, you ain't got no kids. You ain't even got no man. You ain't got no prospects. Please be quiet and let me raise these children the best way I know how. And all the single mothers in the room said, yes. Leave me alone. You ain't got no babies. What are you talking about? You ain't the one waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and trying to breastfeed because that's what they tell you to do. And then they, they, they say that you're a bad mother if you use Similac. Shut up. I'm trying. Mary doesn't care about who's around her. She knows I'm desperate. This might be my only opportunity. They might walk through the door, Miss Alicia, and take Jesus when I get there. So I'm going to use everything I've got to get what I've got to him. Somebody say amen. This might be your last Sunday to get it right in worship. Do you really want it to be the last Sunday and you're in the purple seat with your arms folded because it's not cool to worship? No. Every opportunity that you have, every opportunity that you have to be in the presence of God. Somebody say, break it. Don't go home with oil left over. Pour it all out. Break it all open. Give it all to him. Because this is the thing. It's his anyway. I don't care you talking about my shoes. This is Jesus. Did you forget he's going to die for our sins? If Mary was bold enough, she should have turned around and been like, where's your box? How could you? Sh- You're walking with him and don't have your box? You've been with, you've been with him all the time? You've been, you know that Judas is stealing. You know that he's about to be crucified. You know that he's about to be raised up on the third day. And you came here empty-handed? You cannot expect to get something from a king and you come into his presence empty-handed. Martha was preparing in the kitchen. Mary was preparing her heart. Martha was in the kitchen making sure that there were six courses. Mary was making sure that the oil was right and when she broke it that it would flow correctly. I even see her in the room like practicing how she was going to do it. Like, no, that's too aggressive. No, that's too soft. No, like, because the way in which I give this oil to him matters. Somebody scream hallelujah. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages. Then the money could have been given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. I want you to write this down. This isn't in my notes. But proximity to Jesus doesn't mean you have relationship with Jesus. The people that are yelling at, Mar- at Mary are disciples. They smell like Jesus. They sleep next to Jesus. They pray with Jesus. Like when, 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 uh, when, when the Romans come to get Jesus, like they're there. Peter's so close to Jesus, he cuts Buddy's ear off. And Jesus says, my bad, Peter. Here you go, bro. My bad. He keep crazy. Peter, hey, man, stop doing that, bro. Like they're that close to Jesus. But even though they're, they have proximity to him, they still miss the moment. Mary is listening to something different. Mary's not listening to just what his words are saying. She's listening to what God actually wants from her. Write this point down. Your posture will set the price. Mary made the decision to make her way. Mary made the decision because the longer the oil sits in the container, the more it matures. The more it matures, the longer it lasts. The longer the scent lasts, the the stronger the scent is. It says in the word, That when she broke the jar on Jesus, it says that the scent of her perfume 
filled the room. There are some things that you are gaining the benefit of here, AWC, not just because you're a good person, but there's a group of people that are part of our prayer team. There are a group of people that are part of our worship team who have created an atmosphere that's easy for you to tap in so you don't have to do all the work. The problem is this. They're getting upset with Mary saying, how could you? What are you doing? And they forget that now what was in her jar, now they smell like the same thing. Joshua was covered not because he was a good person. Joshua was covered because the essence of my parents was the environment that I was living in. There are some things that you are walking in today you did not prepare for yourself. Somebody else broke the oil, and because it was in there for a long time, you smell like the sacrifice of your grandmother, your great-grandmama, your, your sister, like your mom, your dad. So Mary is trying to help them understand, you need me to break this box. You, you need me to break this box because if I don't break this box, Jesus can be in the room but decide not to bring his presence. I want to make sure you know that Jesus did not make the decision to show up to every church this morning. There are some churches that Jesus looked at and said, no, I'm good and passed by. Come by here, the Lord, come by here. Come by here. He said, I'm not coming. Like, he made the decision. It doesn't smell like perfume in there. It smells like you. God only wants to show up to places that look like, smell like, feel like him. What Mary understood was that the oil in the alabaster box wasn't hers. It was the Lord. God shows up in your worship when he smells himself. Out of a million people, he goes, oh, that smells like me over there. And he shows up in people's situations, Miss Nancy, because of the fact their situation smells like him. I don't have time. Let me move on. Verse 6. But Jesus replied. Somebody say, leave her alone. No, 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 no. Do it how you would do it if somebody was being messed over. Like, do it. Do it how you would do it. If you saw a single mom, you saw a dad that was trying to figure it out, you saw a person that was dealing with, like, mental issues and people were making fun of them. Like, I want you to do it how you would do it. If you were advocating for a person that didn't know how to take care of themselves, I, I want you to do it like you were standing in the gap in front of somebody that was being bullied and they were getting punched, but they couldn't fight back. I want you to do it as Jesus did it for you when you were supposed to be thrown away. You should be in hell right now. But God stood in the front of it. Somebody said, leave him alone. Leave her alone. You're yelling at her and you forget that we're eating food that she prepared, stupid. Shut up. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. There are people in church right now, a mom getting out of her car with two baby carriers, and the greeting team is, is mocking her as she's walking, but she's too far away to hear what she's saying. Look at her, two kids, Lord have mercy. There ain't no way. There ain't no man in the house. Then when she comes to the hey, baby. AWC, we will not be that church. Any young man that is able, Aaron, I'm talking to you. Any young man that is able, I don't know who else, who else am I looking at? Uh, Timmy, I'm looking at you. Any young man that is able, if you ever see a young woman, an older woman struggling in the parking lot and nobody runs to their aid and you don't, you are wrong. 
you see a young man that gets out of the car and he has a, a disability or he has a walking issue and he has to have a walker, you should walk with them and be late to service. I would much rather you be late to your serve, helping somebody that is trying to work through embarrassment to get to the house of God than to show up on time and pass them because you don't want to be five minutes late. You can wait. Somebody say, leave her alone. Leave her alone. You don't know what she had to fight through to get those two babies in the car seat, let alone walk down the aisle while people are judging her. Shut up. Be quiet. Do you not remember when people used to make fun of you when you walked into this church? Huh? Huh? Well, they're not married. How could they have gotten pregnant? Be quiet. That's between them and God. Our job is to love them. Our job, AWC, is to create an atmosphere and an environment where the people that have been thrown out by other organizations, that have been thrown out from other people, they can feel safe here. And I just need two or three people that will agree with me by standing on your feet. It's safe here. You can come to AWC. 5417 North 103rd Street. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to throw you away. We're not going to damn you away to a hell that we can't put you in. We're going to somebody say, restore you. Get in here. But he smells. Get in here. Jesus tells the other, the other disciples, be quiet. Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? Her breaking this alabaster box on my head or on my feet isn't hurting you. So why do you have something to say? It's not even for you. So be like, what are you tripping about? I'm sorry. That's a Joshuaism. I'm sorry. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm doing too much. Let, let me get back in the saddle. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. I want you to pay attention, AWC, just for a second. If you're with me, snap two times. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Mary broke the oil on top of his head, Jerry, because she was desperate. But she was unaware that Jesus couldn't go to the cross until she did it. We think that Mary's in the wrong place at the wrong time, but had Jesus not came to Martha's house, had Martha not been distracted by what she was doing, had the seven, the 12, I'm sorry, had the, had the one, had Jesus, the 12, the 72, and the multitude been there, had Mary not prepared her offering, had Mary not taken the alabaster box and been prepared and broken on Jesus' head, Jesus could have missed the cross. There are some things in your life that God wants to do, but you haven't worshiped him yet. Remember how I say it all the time. There are some things that God can't do. God can't do anything in the earth unless he has somebody to agree, even if they're unaware. Let me prove it to you. I tell you the truth, whether the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed because you can't talk about the crucifixion of Jesus without talking about the oil that was poured on his head by Mary. You can't talk about Jesus being crucified without talking about the woman that everybody yelled at. There are some things in your life people are chastising, spitting on you, saying it's stupid and it's dumb, but the work isn't done. If you finish it, 
and you do it well and it actually works out, it'd be so funny how people switch up. It'd be so funny how people change their tune once it actually works out. It'd be so funny how your little chicken joint that only sold like two or three plates actually turns into a corporation called Popeyes and now they're looking for a job. You had the opportunity at that point to turn them away because you remember that they spit on you or show them the same type of grace that God would have shown you. You can't talk about the crucifixion of Jesus without talking about Mary. You can't talk about your marriage without talking about your ancestors. While I was in Nigeria, one thing that I saw, we went to the first, the first wedding. Somebody said the first wedding. There was two. It was two. The first wedding wasn't for the bride and the groom. It was for the ancestors. There's a part in the ceremony where they name every single person on each side of the family based off of their age and their stature and their leadership in the family. Because what they're trying to symbolize in their culture is that you two wouldn't have found each other had it not been for our sacrifice. So there are some things that you're walking in freedom today because somebody that you only know as Mima or auntie in a picture was on her hands and knees while she was in slavery was on her hands and knees while she was addicted to something. So the worship that you have isn't yours. Sometimes it's inherited. So if it's inherited, AWC, that means that you have a part to play in what type of worship is passed down in your house. When you worship, your children are watching. We can't blame the kids up here for just standing here. Do you worship with them at home? What music fills the house? You're pregnant now. Totally awesome. Are you praying, playing the music that you want this baby to know God in now while he or she is in the womb? Like, you get to create the atmosphere that you want for them. The reason why I go crazy in worship is because my parents worshiped harder than I did. So it wasn't weird for me to lift my hands. It wasn't weird for me to fall on my face. It wasn't weird for me to lift my hands because somebody say they did it before me. So if you're a mom right now and you have kids and it seems like everything isn't working out, the best thing that you can do is not pay your rent. It's show your children and your babies how to worship God through it all. Hey, baby, we ain't got what we need right now, but God's still good. That's an inheritance that's just as valuable as the oil in the box. Mary's act of desperation prepared Jesus to be the first sacrifice. Somebody say there's significance in the oil. I, I, can, I, can I share this with you? I don't want to waste your time. Is, is this okay? Okay, I know you got Mother's Day and a whole bunch. Some of y'all got a roast. Like, he need to finish up. This is my day. It's the Lord's. Just, okay. I want you to have the same energy on Father's Day. It's Father's Day. We got to get out of here. No, baby, we be all right. He got some socks and some tool sets and, you know, the pair of glasses that he lost last year. I took them. I'm just going to re-gift them. Yeah, y'all be do. If you ever, Vanessa, get me a pair of socks or a tie. I mean, I ain't going to put no hands on you, but you know I'm going to have a strong talking with the Lord about you. There's a significance in oil. In the Greek, it means it was a familiar and an important cultural symbolism in the Old Testament times. The reason why they used oil was because it was foreshadowing the work that the Holy Spirit was going to do. So if you got anointed by oil, it was basically telling you that the Holy Spirit was about to do something crazy in your life in the near future. We have turned anointing and the oil into something that gives us goosebumps when somebody hits a run. It's not anointing. That's the theatrics. Because Beyonce can sing and you feel something, but it's not the anointing. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Um, how many of you guys have ever seen The Greatest Showman? That movie is anointed. 
Every night I lie in bed. I was watching that movie. We were on a cruise, and we were supposed to go to dinner. How many of you guys have ever been on a cruise before? There's a giant jumbotron, and as we're walking to dinner, that song started playing, and me and my family missed dinner and started, like, we were like, what is this movie? What's the name of it? Like, and we, I how many of you guys, like, watch movies so much that it gets to the point where you're just like, I don't ever want to hear the movie? You know it. Your kids watch Frozen. If you hear that song one more time, let it go. Sh shut up. You'll choke a kid out right now. Let Baby Shark play one time. Baby Shark. No! Turn it off. Cocoa melon. Hey, I don't want to hear no melons, no coconuts, no berries. Turn it off. All the tired parents say, turn it off. Cocoa melon. Turn it off. When someone was anointed, it showed the significance of what God was going to do. We forget that where Jesus is, he had already done a miracle with Lazarus and raising him from the dead. So when he comes back, his expectation is to do the last thing that he did when he was there. This is what I'm trying to say. God is able to do miracles in places where he's able to do miracles. A couple verses before Miss Michelle, it said that God was in his hometown. And it said he couldn't do no miracles there. Because they were familiar. They knew who he was. So Jesus was able to raise Lazarus from the dead and be anointed in the place because somebody said he was allowed to. It was in the city of Bethany. Remember we talked about in the city of Bethany, that's where Jesus came. Listen to this. And if you're spiritually mature, you'll get this point. I don't want this to go over your head because it, it, somebody say it's, you need to hear this. Bethany defined, which is the city, means house of answering. So when Mary poured the oil on Jesus' head, she named Jesus as the answer to everything. It's not just about how you worship. It matters where you worship. The reason why it feels so easy here at AWC to worship is because we've been doing what you have been feeling in the past 30 minutes for 27 years. God can do miracles here at AWC, like heal, heal some, somebody from stage four brain cancer or breast cancer because he's done it here before. Miss Gertrude, Miss Norma, Mr. Tyrants, Mr. Ma like, so God can repeat, do miracles in a place because of the fact that he knows, like, oh, they'll accept me there. So where you go to church matters. The songs that we pick matter. There's a reason why we change the words and all oh, the overwhelming, never-ending miracles of God. Oh, it changes me. I couldn't earn it, but I deserve it. You couldn't earn it, but you do deserve it. Like, how can you call yourself a son of God and say that you don't deserve his blood? Like, no, I deserve it. I'm a son. So we can sing songs that sound great and make us feel something, but it's not biblical. So here's the point of this entire sermon. The goal isn't either or, but both and. I've heard this sermon taught so many different times, and people say, you should never be Martha. You should be Mary. I've heard other people say, you shouldn't be Mary. You should be Martha. And this is the revelation that I got, Mr. Duane. The Bible explains to us Mary and Martha, and we see two different people. Everybody go like this. But when we read the word of God correctly, those two people actually become two sides of the same person, which is you. 
you're Mary and Martha. There are times where we get caught in the emotions and the affection and the moves of God, Mary, which is the spirit. And then there are some times when we get caught in the mechanical former parts of our walk with God, which is Martha, which is the truth. So we can set up an entire denomination just on the spiritual moves of God and forget that there's order that has to be followed. Let me explain it to you. You can go to a, um, uh, how many of you guys love hole-in-the-wall restaurants? You have a spiritual experience when you have that food. But since they have no truth, you wait a really long time to get it. And when you get it, you miss a roll or you ask for four pieces, white wings, fried extra crispy, and you get two thighs fried soft and it's still like, what? Like, so the food tastes good, but there's no processes. There's the other end. You can go to an organization or go to a business where the processes are absolutely amazing. Everything is meticulous. Everything works, but there's no warmth. So everything works. It's always on time, but where you work, nobody cares about your son that's sick. So you can't get time off to be a mom because of the fact like, uh, we ain't got no time for the spirit. You need to listen to the truth. We become cockeyed. Let me prove to you why all of this is wrong. John 4, 23. John 4, 23 says, but the time is coming. Indeed, somebody say it's here now. When the true worship. Now, okay, okay, okay. Remember what I said before? Y'all were like, he can't say I don't worship. The Bible just said that there is such thing as true worshipers. So if there's true worshipers, there's got to be fugazi worshipers. Maybe that should be the sermon title for next week. Don't play with me. I'll do it. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, period. So the moves of God, and we're going to sing real loud, but there's going to be no oil. Okay? Where uh, when true worshipers will worship the Father in truth. So it's going to be very stringent. You can't walk into the church if your ankles are showing, so they would have kicked me out. You got to wear a suit and a tie. Worship is 10 minutes. If you go over, Tina, you're fired. We ain't got no time for the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit fit in planning center? We got 25 minutes for worship. If the Holy Spirit shows up at minute 26, we got to cut him off because we ain't got no time for it. We got to keep to the schedule. My word is more important than what, the, what God wants to do. If I was prideful, what the Holy Spirit was doing earlier, I would have cut it off because I got a word for you. No. That was more important than anything that I've said today. Somebody say spirit and truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. It's not either or. It's not supposed to be, I need to either be Martha or Mary. But as people, we need to be able to be mature in our worship enough to know in this time of worship, is it time for me to be a blubbering mess on the floor with snot and tears and fear the emotions? Or do I need to be in truth in this moment and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying so that I can dictate what God is trying to get to me? When you get to a point, this is so, I wish you guys understood what I was saying, because this is setting somebody free. Is this setting anybody free right now? You'll get to the point in your worship where, Nicole, you'll be standing in both Mary and Martha at the same time. Where you're serving Jesus and worshiping him at the same time. Where you're able to, as a father or as a mother, 
be able to set an atmosphere for Jesus to walk into the room, but be sober-minded enough to be in the spirit to get the answer to get you out of debt at the same time. You can miss a lot in worship if all you do is, oh, God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You missed it. You, you, you missed what the Holy Spirit was trying to get to you. I say this often. Hooping is super dope if you're saying something. And, uh, no, it's theatrics. It sounds good on a record. You don't hear me. Like, that's dope, but you're not saying anything. God wants you to worship in spirit and truth. Mary breaks the oil on top of Jesus' head. Mark sees her pour it on his head. John sees it at Jesus' feet. But the part that we miss is that she wiped it up with her hair. In this custom, women had their hair pulled back under a veil. She could have grabbed a towel. She could have used a shirt. She could have used her dress. She could have used somebody else's robe. But she was willing to inconvenience herself to make herself less attractive to the people around her to get the residue of the oil. The word of God says that the oil will go at the top of your head, come down to your beard, run down your body, and then pool at your feet. Which means that once she swept up the oil with her hair, the oil's price had grown 10 times because now her oil was holy. The reason why it's significant that Martha wiped up his, his, the oil with her hair is because when it touched, when, before it came out of the alabaster box, it was just essence of nard. That's all it was, it smelled good. But once it went from Jesus' head to his feet, when she touched him, what she was desperate for, she got. AWC, this will be the last Sunday that you will feel comfortable, feeling uncomfortable worshiping God. This will be the last Sunday that we worship just in spirit, where the licks and the chops are super dope and they make you go, ooh, boy playing no 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 we're not we're not doing that anymore we're going to do it in spirit there's going to be a move of God but we're going to do it in truth for some people it was very uncomfortable Miss Michelle to just sit and wait on God because we're used to like doing something like it's it's quiet like I gotta say something but sometimes this is all God wants can we practice it just sit there Spirit and truth. Worship him, but be conscious of what he's trying to do in the moment. Don't become so theatrical that you miss that God actually wants to talk to you. And he can't talk to you as you're script. Like, sit there. Like, change your posture. Sit with the flat back. Like, you're in the presence of God. This is how we're going to get out of here today. It's, it's not going to be loud and it's not going to be a whole bunch of crashing cymbals. But I think that God wants to change some people's worship today. The way in which your worship changes isn't by you changing. How many of you have ever tried to change something in your own power? It doesn't really work that well. Sometimes you have to let God touch what you're trying to change before you try to change it. 
I talked with our prayer team and they're gonna come now. There has always been a giant jar of oil that has been consecrated for our time in January. How many of you guys got your vial? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys knew, or you guys can spread out. But um, that day after the uh, consecration, when we broke our fast, did you guys know that the entire jar broke? It was sitting over here on a table with glass. And um, I think either Jason, <laughs> Jason or Asan or Kylan or uh, uh, Darren were hitting the, the drums too hard. And um, have you guys watched Tom and Jerry? You know that is you is or is you ain't's my baby part. That's what happens to the holy oil. <laughs> and it do, 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 do. And it was funny because Catelyn was like back in the room and they were doing their pregame huddle. And Catelyn came running over and he was like, hey, like what happened? So like, well, the oil broke. And he couldn't have heard it because everything was loud in here. So then I asked Catelyn, I don't know, do you, I don't know if you remember this. Where are you at, Cat? Do you remember what you said? Catelyn said, I could smell it. He said, I, I could smell it. And I remember how much time pastors and our prayer team and our elders spent <laughs> getting the concoction correct. AWC, I think that there is an opportunity for you to get anointed today and your worship to never be the same. But this is the thing. This opportunity will be given to all, but I truly believe that there are some people in the room by standing on your feet, you're willing to go through the inconvenience in order to get what you need from Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet, go for it. Stand to your feet. It might not be for everybody, that's okay. That's okay. But you're tired of your worship where it is. You're tired of the four songs and then going home and you just had a goosebumps, but nothing changed. If that's you, if you're looking for an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to use you the way that Mary was used, I want you to come forward. Don't, and don't, don't wait on it. Just come, come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Come on. Come on. Come forward. This is the altar call. This is it. Hallelujah. Come on. God, I want my worship to be different. I, I know it's not just about singing. Like, it's, it's weird seeing people up front, but I want to be up there. But it's just weird. I don't know how to get up there. Come on. doesn't matter how old you are. If you're a child, come on. Hallelujah. Here it is, AWC. These people that you see in front of you are consecrated. What did I say? They are consecrated. What that means is, is that our founding pastors trust these folks in front of you to be representatives of heaven here on earth. What they're going to do, if you are willing and able, as you lift your hands and begin to open up your mouth and talk to God, is they're going to take the oil that's on their hand and they're going to anoint your head. And maybe they might anoint your hands, they might anoint your stomach, your back, your shoulders. But this is what happens once you get anointed. You get to make the decision how far you take the anointing. A lot of people look to go to a conference and have the man or the woman that's up here pray for them, thinking that what they got is stronger than God. But what they're about to give you is the first step. Somebody say the first step. Now look at your neighbor and say, you're responsible for the rest. Here it is, right there where you are. Go for it, team. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, receive it. Re receive a different worship. Receive a different presence. Receive a different energy. 
receive it. Receive it. Receive it. A different type of worship. It's going to change. You're going to worship as you go to the grocery store. You're going to worship as somebody is giving you bad news. You're going to worship as the person, uh, the doctor is giving you bad news. You're going to, like, begin to change your worship. Come on. Right there where you are. Come on. And if you already know what we're talking about in your seat, stretch your hands forward and pray for these people. Let me release you. Father God, we thank you for every single person that decided to tune into AWC this morning. God, we pray that the same spirit that's here in the building would follow people everywhere that they go. God, we ask, we declare, and we decree that in this moment that we declare that you are God and that our worship is going to change. God, we're not trying to be like Martha. We're not trying to be like Mary, but we're trying to be like both. I pray that the Lord would keep you and watch you, that he would bring you back to this place safely in Jesus' name. And if you're happy about what God is doing in your life, can you say amen?